awesome. Many of you know this, but some of you don't. This week on Thursday, I get to leave for a uh, 10-day trip to the Holy Land. And it was a miraculous... Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. It's a miraculous way that, that the Lord provided for that. And this past week, Trinity and I were, were traveling. We got to visit a college that she's interested in. And she asked me on the way, she said, Dad, what are you most excited about? To go to the, about going to the promised land. And I said, honestly, I, I am so excited to walk and stand and pray and kneel in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because I, I know Jesus was tempted three times at the beginning of his ministry by Satan in the wilderness. But to me, it's the Garden of Gethsemane where the greatest temptation to step away and walk away came. Three times. Just like he had three Three times tempted by Satan, three times Jesus cried out to his father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Father, let this cup pass. And I believe, believe Satan unearthed hell. And I don't mean the flames of hell, I mean the separation from the father that Jesus would experience for the first time. And yet it was in that garden where he got off of his knees with great resolve and said, I'll go and finish the mission that the Father has given to me. He spoke the words, I am, in the garden. And when he did, the book of John tells us that the, the soldiers who had come to arrest him fell on their backsides. That just shows us that Jesus was not arrested. He surrendered. And I, I can't wait to to just see and, and look at the garden and just realize in many ways that is, to me, holy ground. And that's what we're going to look at today in the book of Exodus. And so if you haven't been with us, we've been making our way through the book of Exodus. And we're, we're doing more than just reading. We're looking for echoes of Exodus. And where, where, does, where, does it, where is it found throughout the rest of Scripture? And how does it point us to Jesus? And Last week, we got right up to where Moses was at the burning bush, where he met the angel of the Lord. And we found out as we looked at scripture last week, the angel of the Lord in the bush was God himself. It was Jesus Christ speaking directly to Moses. And if you remember, we saw that the, the angel and the flaming fire in the bush was the second time we'd seen angel and flaming fire. The first time was in the Garden of Eden when the angel kept Adam and Eve from the presence of God. Now we have an angel and a flaming fire inviting Moses into the presence of God. And that, man, that is so much what Jesus does for us. It's Jesus taking on the, the eternal flame of fire so that he provides a way for those who believe in him and in who he is and in the work that he has accomplished. He makes a way to the Father, to the presence of, of God. And, and it, even as we're praying for, for Debbie, I, I was texting with Marsha Duncan uh, yesterday and today find, trying to find out how she's doing. And, and one of the things that just continues to, to rush through me is heaven is not a place of streets of gold and gates of pearl first. It's beautiful, I'm sure, but heaven is a place where Jesus is. That's what makes it heaven. If heaven was filled with fire, but Jesus was there, that'd be heaven. And hell, if hell had streets of gold and gates of pearl inviting you into a place where God is not, that is hell. 
as we see those we love leave this world into eternity we don't rejoice that they're walking on streets of gold we rejoice that they're in the presence of god and that's only because of who jesus is so let's go back to the interaction of moses at the the burning bush verse number five of exodus chapter number three we read this last week we're just coming back to it again in verse number five it says then he said This is the angel of the Lord speaking out of the bush to Moses. Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So this angel is calling bidding Moses into the presence of God, but as he comes, he can't stay the way he is. He has to take his shoes off. Why? Well, because those shoes would have walked on unholy ground, and you can't walk into the presence of the Father if you're unholy. So he had to strip those shoes off and When the priests served in the tabernacle, just to give you an idea of where this echoes, when the priests served in the tabernacle, they would bathe themselves and they would take their shoes off and they would serve barefoot in the tabernacle because it was all holy ground. And yet when you think of, like, well, how does this point us to Jesus? Oh, does it? This is so, to me, it's so exciting because we, we see this Old Testament principle of coming close to God. You've got to change the external, which is why the, the cleansing of the hands and of the feet was so important. But when, when we run to the New Testament and we see Jesus gather his disciples on the very last night before he goes to the work of the cross to bring redemption to the world, what does Jesus do in that upper room he kneels before his disciples and what does he do with their feet oh our god got on his knees before dirty unclean men and said i will wash you oh There's no demand to say take your shoes off now because the cleansing that we need is not an outward cleansing. The cleansing we need is the cleansing of the heart and only Jesus can do that. But he joyfully does that for anybody who wants to come close. If you remember what what Peter said as, as they were in that upper room, Peter said when Jesus approached, don't wash my feet. And what did Jesus say? If I don't wash your feet, you could have no part of my kingdom Hey, if Jesus doesn't wash you, you get no part of the kingdom. And so Peter said, well, great, then uh, head to toe, give me a bath. And Jesus said, no, no. Once I wash you, you are completely clean. Once you get washed by Jesus. Hey, yes, 
We do pick up the dirt of the world around us, but when our hearts are cleansed, as we walk in this world and we, we pick up the filth of this world, we don't have to go get cleansed all over again. Jesus has made us clean, but what we do need to do is realize I have lived in, in an unholy way, in an unholy world at times, and now I want to approach a holy God. He still bids me come, but this is where Aaron was talking about repentance. The closer you get to God, the more he's going to show you what needs to change. I remember the very first car, or the second car that I owned, it was a Caprice Classic, 1988, beautiful, two-tone. <coughs> Caprice Classic. Two-tone Caprice Classic, 85. How many of you can picture that right there? All right, so bottom half was silver, top half was white. It was ugly uh but it was affordable right and um i remember it started to get rust on it so you know you don't want to have a rust uh on your on your nice looking boat uh that you drive around so i remember um grabbing some silver spray paint and i sprayed right over that rust and you didn't see it again for like three weeks But those of you who would understand auto, auto body shop work, you know, you, you've got to get rid of the, get to get down to the, to, the, to the metal. And then sometimes you've got to bring in some bonding. Yeah, right? And then, then you can repaint it and it doesn't rust. Can, can I tell you something? We watched four people get baptized today. You know, what, you know what some people's mentality of baptism is? Well, when I want to start living for Jesus again, hey, baptize me again. Let's remember what Jesus said. Once I baptize you, you are clean. Oh, once I clean you, you are clean. This water, this water doesn't provide an experience that all of a sudden you're going to change your life from one way to another. Once you've been saved, if you say, I was saved, I know I was, I was baptized before, but I haven't been living the way that I should, baptize me again. An experience. Experience is not going to change you. Getting wet is not going to change you. Getting soaked in Jesus is what changes you. We can gather at the river, and lots of people can come in and get baptized who've been baptized many, many times. And listen, hey, if I'm standing at the Jordan River this week in Israel, and they say, who wants to get baptized? I would gladly walk in there, but I already know this. This is not has nothing to do with my spiritual standing. That water was a profession of my faith when I was a young boy. I only need to be baptized once, just like I only need to be saved once, but I need to repent regularly and draw in. And the beauty of Jesus is that he changes the script. Dirty hands and dirty feet no longer make us unclean in the presence of God. Hey, you could come to church today without washing your hands. You know, they couldn't do that in the Old Testament, right? You know that. But how many people walk in here with dirty hearts? We're talking about holy ground. What makes the ground holy? Joshua heard the same thing in the book of Joshua. He meets the commander of the Lord's army. And the, the commander of the Lord's army says, take off your shoes. You, with the place you are standing, that ground is holy. And Joshua drops off his shoes. Hey, listen, you know I'm going to the holy land. But let me tell you something. Joshua and Moses, when they were both told, you're standing on holy ground, they weren't in the holy land. What made that ground holy? Where God was. 
You know what's You know what's really cool? When Jesus was going to go to the cross, he gathers his disciples, and at the same time when he washed their feet, he gives them instructions in John 14 and John 16 and says, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send to you. I'm going to send the comforter to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to indwell you. Oh, whoa. Hey, well, listen, did you hear that? That Jesus is going to send the Spirit. The Spirit of God is going to indwell you. And then when Jesus gathers his disciples before he ascends back, he says this, I'm going to send you to go make disciples throughout the entire world. And then he says this, I am with you to the ends of the earth. Okay, 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 we got The Spirit of God is in you. Jesus has promised to be with you. Wait, what makes the ground holy? The presence of God. If you have the Spirit of God in you and you have the presence of Jesus with you, guess what that makes every place you walk? Holy ground. I'm going to go to the holy land. Ah, I'm on holy ground now because the presence of God is in me. This is a beautiful location. It's a beautiful building. This is not the temple of God. The presence of God is not in these four walls. The presence of God is in you. And when you come into this place, that makes this location holy ground. But so is your home when you go home. And so is your school when you walk in the halls. And, and so, so is your place of work when you walk into the locations where you work. You are a temple of God that moves from place to place to place. Do you remember when God called Adam and he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with my glory? Failed. Noah, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with my glory? Failed. Abraham, I'll make you fruitful. And Abraham... Through you, all the earth will be blessed. That's Jesus. And what does Jesus do when he ascends back? He sent the presence of God to the people. The people begin to spread across the world. And now that be fruitful and multiply command that man has failed at, God has fulfilled. And that's why there are Christians all over this world, which makes this world holy ground. I'm not worried about Jerusalem. I'm not worried about Israel. This world, wherever believers are, is holy ground. Wherever you are, is holy ground. If you have the presence of God, and if you are the temple of God, then everywhere you go becomes holy ground. You know I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't, I'll make that a big deal, but, you know, like, I'm a Cowboys fan. Ushers, could we... Uh, we have a disturbance here. It's an unholy, de demonic disturbance here. All right. You can't be calling out skin. Anyway, I've been to, uh, I've been to two places uh, uh, to watch a Cowboys game. Uh, one was in, in Texas Stadium, AT&T Stadium, filled with Cowboys. They were playing the New York Giants. I may have seen, like, a smattering of Giants jerseys, but it was overwhelmingly Dallas Cowboys. And then my friend invited me to go to a Cowboys game. They were playing the Bears on a Thursday night in Soldier Field. I was expecting to be completely outnumbered. And you know what I found out? Cowboy Nation is real. There were as many Cowboys fans in Soldier Field of Chicago than there were Bears fans. 
And it was so cool because he, here's, what, here's what I'm thinking. Like, you know one of the problems of our world is we think we're outnumbered as believers. And so we, we hide like, oh, there's only a few of us and, and I can't say that I love Jesus here or there or there. Or I can't really tell people that I live here here. Hey, what I, what I would encourage you to do, you have no idea what an encouragement you might be if you boldly stepped out and said, I am the temple of God. I I am holy ground not because of who I am but because of who is inside of me and we might see the culture of our world change if Christians stopped being scared of the world around them and boldly wore our jersey our robe of righteousness as we go out into the world we might see the world get scared of Christians but right now it's the, the exact opposite we're hiding we're afraid you know why? Because we know we're supposed to be holy temples and we're not. Imagine how you would feel. Just try to think of emotion. If you walked in today and there were beer cans littered along the front, cigarettes and drug needles just strewn about the front, pornographic literature all over, and you found out that a group of people had a party in our church, how upset would you be? This isn't the temple of God. This building is not the temple of God. You are. If I were to throw pornography on that screen, you'd fire me, right? Rightly so, you'd fire me, right? about that little screen this isn't the temple you are if I were to curse and scream and yell you get rid of me you can't do that and be a pastor a pastor is a title you're a temple we are all temples and just because you don't scream and curse and yell at people in the church what gives you the, the right or what, what makes you think that once you get into the car it's okay to scream and yell and curse at people. Right? You're a temple. You are the temple. Where you go is holy ground. But I think so often we're afraid to step out because we know the truth. We're supposed to be holy temples, but we're not. I love what God says. Because we already know what Moses' reactions are going to be, right? If you know the story, you know Moses' reaction is going to be. But here's what God says. And go back to the verses. I'm going to read verse 6. He says, And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, right? That's what we often do. He hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. But, but let's think of the big echo that happens right here. We're in Exodus Three, at the burning bush Moses sees the presence of God and he hides his face fast forward with me if you would just a few months later when Moses is up at the top of Mount Sinai and he says to God show me your glory the same guy who hid his face has found the boldness 
to say to this flaming fire of an angel, give it all to me. Show me your glory. And he sees the, just the trail of God's glory and his face shines for the rest of his life. So what moves this man from, from being able to, to, to run and hide from the glory of God to say, I want it all, because it was just a few months of time. It, it had nothing to do with his age. I'll tell you that. He's 80 years old. Devin, I am so proud of you. I appreciate so much your willingness to stand up and pray in this church to start this service. How old are you? 14 years old. Let's be honest. There's some adult men and women in here who were scared to stay. I'll stand and pray. So Devin, I want you to know this. At 14, you can seek God as much as any adult in this room. Because God is not restricted to age. So what is, what is the difference? What began to understand? What, what did Moses begin to understand? Well, if we look at how God introduced himself. I am the God of your father. Now let's stop for a moment. Who is Moses' father? Oh man, living in Egypt in slavery and oppression. If he was still alive at this point, he had spent probably at least 40, if not longer years, living under the hand of Pharaoh in slavery and oppression. And God says, yeah, Moses, I'm, your, I'm the father of your God. And I'm the father of Abraham. Oh, Abraham, the one who was asked to leave everything that he knew to come to a land where only God knew where he was going and to face a famine immediately. And, and he was spent time in Egypt as an exile only to return and to never truly see the promises of God that were given to him. God says, I'm that God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the young man who was laid out, whose own father raised a knife to sacrifice him before Jesus as the angel of the Lord intervened. And God says, yeah, I'm that, I'm that God too. And I, I'm the God of Jacob, the one whose own brother wanted to take his life. And so he lived in exile for 20 years. I'm that God. And so as God introduces himself to Moses, we see God saying, I am a God of the exiles. I'm a God of the outcasts. I'm a God of the oppressed. I'm a God of those who feel like they have been forgotten and forsaken and abandoned, but they never have been. I am that God. And Moses, I'm your God. And that led Moses on this journey to walk up a mountain and say, show me all your glory. And here's what I really believe. As Moses began to uncover God, he began to know God in a new way and in a fresh way. And, and the more that Moses got to, the more Moses got to know about God, the more, know, the more Moses wanted to know about God. And here's, here's what I would encourage everyone in here. We will long to know God deeply only 
as we seek to know God daily. Because this, it may not be true in this church, although I'm sure that it could be applicable to this church in some areas. Many, many Christians, they want to show up on Sunday and see God work, move, and experience God, and then it's another week on Sunday before they feel like that again. Do you, do you know why you have a hard time praying? Because you don't know the God you're praying to real well. Do you know why when it's time to bow our head and close our eyes in church and, and, and the service is, is nearly over and I say, go ahead and talk to God. The, the, you, there's, there's this momentary desire. I want to talk to God. And as soon as you do, like, what are the other things that I need to do today? It's because we just honestly don't know God. Because we show up for an experience without valuing the relationships sometimes. And again, I'm not trying to say that's what everybody's doing. I'm just saying I realize that as a whole in Christianity, we, we want the revivals on our time, in our way, right? So how much tomorrow are you going to pray for revival? Or are we just going to wait until we show up again together next Sunday? And, and what I really feel like is, is, is as Moses got to know who God was and he got to see who God was, he said, I want to know you more. Ha! I mean, like, for, forgive me. And again, I, I feel like I use my family every single week and I, I don't like to do this, but like I, I'm traveling with Trinity this, this week to go visit a college and we had 10 hours one way in a car and 10 hours back. And you can imagine how boring that is for a, an 18-year-old girl to travel with her 47-year-old father. 10 hours one way. Like, Trent, for real, like, we spent hours talking about the Bible. We spent hours talking about God. She would ask me questions and we would have this conversation. And at some point she said, you know, Dad, I, I really feel like everything changed when, when I just decided that I wanted to read my Bible every day and I love looking for Jesus. You seek God daily, there's going to be a desire in your heart that says, I want to know God deeply. We, our family, and I wasn't planning to say this, but our family went to the Jesus Revolution uh, movie last night. And it's, it's, it's a movie about the hippie revolution turning to, to Jesus and like there were times where I just I was literally crying during that movie because I, I was just seeing the, the, the storyline is of a, of a pastor who pastors just a small church, just a smattering of people who they do church the same way every week and it's the same thing and then all of a sudden a hippie shows up but one who loves Jesus. And he does things different than the way that everybody else was used to. Long story short, that church fills up with a bunch of hippies and the church people start to leave. And I sat there and 
I know, I know there's gotta, I, I know there's gotta be a balance of doing things right and in order in the church. I get that, but man, like, don't we sometimes just love to put God in this box? And when someone acts differently than what that box is like, we, we just, we look at them like, what's wrong with you? Like, no, hey, what's wrong with me? I put God in a box. You can't put Jesus in a box. He, he is going to reach different people in different ways, and there's going to be sometimes you can rejoice about it, and there's going to be sometimes it's going to put you in a confused, awkward way, like, who is this? Hey, he's a God you can't figure out. I would love to see this church see revival. I would love to see this church bring people in who don't fit into the church to where we as a church says either we are going to be committed to reaching people where they are or we're going to make them change to become who we are before we make them feel welcome. That is not how Jesus works. Did you have to change before you came to him? No, you come to him and he changes you. You'll find that out as you seek God deeply. I'm, I, I'm not even halfway done. That's what happens when you go off script. So I'm just going to... Can you find the last... Hey, Trent, can you find the last bit of Scripture? I'll, I'll at least read that. It, it's, it's Exodus 3, 11 and 12. We skipped a really good part. Man, I hate to do that. We skipped a really good part about when, when God just continues to introduce himself to Moses. But, but if, you, if you read all the way from 7 to 10, verses 7 through 10, you see God explaining who he is to, to Moses over and over. He's going to reveal himself in greater and greater ways. And he closes in verse 10 by saying, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And Moses immediately responds like this in verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now this is God speaking. He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. When God says to Moses, I will send you, it is the same emphasis that we see when Jesus gathers his disciple in Matthew chapter 28 and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. And lo, I will be with you. Both Moses and the disciples of Jesus are being given the name of God and the authority of God to complete the mission of God. And when Moses hears that, he's like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, who am I? And God says, it doesn't matter who you are. We're sitting in the life group this morning and Joanne very kindly and very transparently said, sometimes I struggle to share my faith. You know what? Hey, here's the thing. You have all authority with you. You go in the name of the Father with the presence of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. The same way that Moses went. And so, so immediately, I know as a preacher, I would stand up and say, hey, who you are doesn't matter, but whose you are does. And so just go. 
No, 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 because here's the cool thing. When Moses tells God, I can't do it, God continues to reveal himself to Moses. And here's the thing. If Moses would have simply said, yes, sir, God, after verse 10, when God said, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Yes, sir, God, I'm going to go. You know what we don't have in the scripture? We don't have the name of God. We don't have Yahweh explained to us. Because it is when Moses says, I can't go, where God begins to reveal who he is. And it's when Moses says, but, but my mouth, I can't, 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 can't talk. And God says, I made your mouth. We wouldn't have that little nugget of truth in our Bibles if Moses wouldn't have said, I can't. So, so here's my encouragement. We're called as disciples to go make disciples. And when you, fa- when you feel like I can't, that's okay. Have a conversation with God. And let him begin to reveal himself to you in a new, fresh way. How awesome would it be if we'd have this entire church walk out of here and say, we're going on mission for Jesus this way. Yeah, but let's be honest. We're not all going to do that. But how cool would it be if this church says, I know what God's called me to do. I'm not real comfortable with it. God, I can't do it. What do you have to say about that? And listen and learn. And don't just go, but get to know him. I don't know what God's calling you to do. Thank you, for, thank you for your encouragement last week, Ashley, that, that the messages helped you take a step of faith. I hope that God wants some of you to take a step of faith, but hey, for you to take that step of faith, you're going to need to know him, get to know him, and walk with him, and know that he will walk with you. So in just a moment, we'll have the worship team come up, and, and, and I actually, I, actually try, I would love to sing the first song that we sang today, because it, it talks about the presence of God. It's, it's a happy, joyful song as a church. But, but we as the church are all temples. We are a corporate temple as the body. And we get to work. And what I would love for you to do is to just either stay at your seat or if you want to come forward and pray, yeah, yeah, just take your time. But I'd love for you to talk to God about what you're struggling with right now. I can't. Tell him. Tell him, I can't. And then listen for him. And let him tell you how you can't, but he can. Would you pray with me?